rugby union. Oh, who are they asking for rights from? Rugby union, how can you be a union if you're not asking for rights from anyone? Right oh. all, all contradictions are made. Right? The contemporary Welcome to the show. Welcome to Dole Capital, coming to you from beautiful downtown O'Connor at the Polish White Eagle Club once again. Ben, how you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Jacob. It is the 14th of September, and we are smack bang in the middle of an ACT election. Comes around every four years, and us being Canberra boys, well, it's something that we're um, doing a bit more than having a whinge about too many core fleet signs telling people that there's an election on. Mm, they're an eyesore, mate. They're an eyesore. And, yeah. you know, we've got to put a stop to it, don't we? Yes, we can't have people participating in democracy. It's... um. A terrible, terrible thing because everyone out there obviously knows how they're going to vote and who the candidates are. So having some uh, core flutes out is obviously a very problematic thing. But uh, that's something that's, um, I guess, locally what's been going on that we've been uh, keeping us busy the last little while, hasn't it been, Jacob? Yeah, yeah. So if you don't uh, know what we're talking about, it's something of a, um, a Canberra election ritual uh, that um, six weeks before the election, um, core flutes obviously come out and um, there's a big stink kicked up about the, um, you know, the littering of streets with um, with election signs. Now, this largely comes out of the Greens. Um, I think fair to say it's basically a Greens fixation. Um, and the way I see it is it, like you said, there's a lot of people who sort of um, talk about it as though it's pointless to have uh, call for lead signs out because I already know who I'm going to vote for. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, I'm an educated, engaged, you know, um, civic participant. Um, but I think that that's really, you know, kind of an attitude that's a bit of a luxury. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's like a, yeah, it is the ritual of the um, the smaller liberal, uh, not in my backyard types uh, in the AC2, who really do decide that they somehow, because they're enlightened, everyone else should be as enlightened that they are. And really do bang on about science. I mean, yeah, the Greens, um, I think, rather opportunistically um, have a crack about it every four years. But what's interesting about it, though, and it really does annoy me because it does come up every couple of years, it, uh, the recycling question about it, like, I found it fairly easy to find that there are organisations that can uh, recycle the core fleets. I know through practical experience, putting hundreds, maybe thousands of things up over the years, then uh, they are more often not reused for placards and protests and things. But it's also the more interesting one. It was used in um, core fleets from 2016, were used in a program to help uh, wombats with mange. Yeah, what what is mange? It's kind of like it sounds like it's a bad insect type um, infestation right. on wombats. And my understanding was that the core flutes were used to sort of help with their openings as well as to provide a way to a uh, dispenser for some kind of um, medication yeah, or something. Yeah, to like a sheep know. dip kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, that's that. But I, I guess is it is funny we actually end up having this sort of have these rather inane conversations about core flutes because the more um, spurious uh, point made by the greens is that uh, all core flutes do is it's a it's a race to the bottom showing who's who's got more resources than who um it is a bit silly in the act government uh context we do have hair clark but more to the point we have some of the, the probably the strictest 
uh, caps on election donations in the country. Yeah, that's right. So I, I've been volunteering on a, a campaign um, for this election, and um, so through that I've learned all about uh, uh, you know capped expenditure and all that. So um, here in the ACT, anything, basically any communication or you know any expenditure that goes towards something that will be sort of um, communicating to voters in any manner um, is regarded as capped expenditure. Each campaign has to abide by that cap, and it's something in the midst of between thirteen and fourteen thousand yeah. dollars. Um, which you know, when you think about talking about like big money in politics, you know, uh, in the scale of that, especially on a national level in Australia, it's not very much. Mm. Um, but I suppose then again, you know, each electorate, uh, because of the hair clock system, uh, each electorate, you know, parties will be running five candidates because there are five seats up for grabs. So multiply that by five. Um, but yeah, I mean. Basically, rather than being a reflection of the you know total resources at a party's disposal, the amount of call flutes you see um, might really be a reflection of a lot a lot of other things. It's about their strategy mm-hmm. um, campaign. I'm working on call flutes aren't our strategy. We have some call flutes, but really, you know, it's our strategy is having conversations with people. We're trying to be able to actually talk to every single possible voter um, and we're not far off at least having attempted to reach out to every single possible voter so call flutes are a minor part of that it's about kind of layering but um, on the other hand yeah some campaigns I suppose especially ones um, you know and particularly uh, campaigns being run by the Liberal Party I think it's a particular issue um, we all know Liberals have trouble with finding volunteers yeah um, so uh, call flutes make up a larger proportion of their strategy than what Labor and Greens campaigns generally will. Um, yeah, and it's what, what people, uh, what activists uh, talk about is the ground war uh, versus the, the air war. And, and part of the, the ground war is, the, is the, the phone banks is calling people up in the homes to sort of sound them out and encourage them to have a conversation and encourage them to, you know, remember the candidate you're campaigning for and, and voting for that candidate from the party. Hair Clark's a competitive one in the sense it's all about the candidates first rather than the, the party slate, which, you know, it's got some democratic um, aspects to it, which I, I think are quite good. It's not, it's not perfect, though, Pro- um, problematic. But... The, the air war stuff is, you know, very much it's social media and, and TV ads, uh, those sort of things. But we also, I, I mean, I think um, placard, you know, putting call flutes up is part of that. And um, there's no doubt um, over the years I've seen that the Tories, you know, they do struggle actually having real life volunteers mm-hmm. putting stuff up. They do exist, but they don't have anything like local Labor does. Actually, I mean, if you think about the party membership in the ACT of ACT Labor is so big, it dwarfs all the political organisations in the, the city together combined. So, um, yeah, they use a lot of signs, and that's, that's how they do it. But there are Labor candidates, too, at the same time, who um, have, I think, put up more signs than they probably need to, uh, which maybe, you know, that might be reflect how well they've gone with getting out to their constituency in terms of voter contact with over the phone or doing door knocking. And also just their sensitivity to the arms race, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, but look, that's that one. That's that's been kind of you know an annoying thing that's caught our attention recently. But because I do think it can, it yeah, it's an eyesore. It can be an eyesore, right? Yeah. Um, especially um, say if you've got a corridor that you drive down all the time and you're used to seeing old green, it stands out like a like a sore thumb or like you know tens of thousands of um, two dimensional sore thumbs. Yeah. Um, so short of completely banning them, which of yeah. course um, is what the Greens are calling for in the ACT, as we know. 
Um, is there a better solution to dealing with this? I actually have a sense that there's something of a self-regulating mechanism with the with the core flute thing, actually, in the sense just that if enough people hate them, if people really do hate them, then they're turned off by the candidates that put them out. Also, campaigns should be aware of the fact that there's going to be an oversaturation kind of mechanism happening mm. where if you know every area in the electorate is completely full of core flutes, the value of a single core flute is considerably less because... People are looking at them all the time. After the first week, I think people just start to tune them out altogether. You stop seeing them. Um, so I kind of think, well, I, yeah, I, I don't think that it's really a pressing issue in the ACT to no, be to really be dealing not. with this kind of thing. It's really not. It, it, it actually it is. I think it's symptomatic of some of this rather silly middle class, educated, more, more you know, um, people with a bit more money and time. Mm. Um, to you know, <laughs> sit around and find something to whinge about. Yeah. Um, Canberra's really good at that. They're excellent. They do it every four years. They'll, they'll come and have a whinge about core flutes. Um, but they also, you know, the same sort of people. They they seem to have problems with people door knocking. You know, someone knocking on their door to say, "Hey, I'm the candidate," or "I'm you know supporting this candidate." You know, let's talk. Yeah. Um, now I understand that some people don't want you know to be door knocked. That's fine. Not a problem. But it is actually probably the most effective real way that democracy works is yeah. actually having that contact. Phone calls, same deal. You're going to have people who really hate being called up. That's fine too. But like all the way through there, like people have choices about whether or not they want to tune in or tune out. And I, I think um, the people who have problems with all this, you know, uh, attempts by parties and candidates to actually engage them, do they have a problem with democracy? Um, that really is the, uh, the, the question um, I often find really annoying because it's really just comes down to a selfish viewpoint of like, oh, well, I know how I'm going to vote, mm. and therefore, what no one else should yeah. be provided well, with information. What I'll tell you, at least like from my experience, um, we actually get people pretty often because you know we're making calls every day. Um, the candidate on the campaign that I'm on is out knocking doors every day. We get heaps of people telling us on calls and on the doors, oh, I had no idea there was an election on until I saw the core flutes out. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's got that going for it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is that. And and look, I, I, there was an interesting study recently um, in the US which um, they looked at the pre-select, I mean, the, the primary process in the, the Democratic and the, and the Republican parties in 2016. And they also looked at the impact of of ads, of, of big money um, television ads and social media ads. And that found like really negligible impacts on shifting uh, people to vote for a particular candidate, like less than 1%. It was actually quite, and, and the sort, the, I, I remember the, um, what is it, the, the, the group that they used, the, the size, it was like 30 or 40,000 odd people. Oh, that okay. they, it was a, it was huge a huge sample. sample. It wasn't like a Mickey Mouse, like, oh, we just talked to a thousand people and, you know, this is what apparently is meant to, you know, all people are, are really, you don't really shift much by big ads and all the rest of it. But I, I was thinking of that and I'm thinking about uh, the context of our little local government campaign campaigns. Um, I think it really does show that, really we're lucky that we don't we don't that fortunately um because we have these caps it does limit the um the the big ads and, and the things like that which is good uh and it does limited uh it does push candidates to actually get out and do one-on-one contacts in shopping centers and uh door knocking and uh doing phone calls that's the thing i wonder about actually with that study that you mentioned like um, i wonder what they would have done um whether they would have looked at say the efficacy of a single ad um, or if they would have sort of looked at the the real environment that people are in, especially in the states, 
um, or in Australia during a federal election, but not not so much the case during a territory election in the ACT, where the you know the entire background of your life becomes political advertising, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and it's just like it's just constant wall-to-wall um, bombardment. Um, because I think while it's probably true that seeing a single political ad doesn't move most people one iota, um, that just the the sustained attack on your like just on your consciousness yeah of just always sort of coming in um that must just uh must have some some like meaningful effect um yeah yeah i, I think look the, that's, of, that, that particular study did people, yeah. did talk about it kind of um i think what it does is solidifies people into particular camps yeah, yeah, yeah. and that there yes there's a there's a very small minority who, who may shift their votes as an, as an impact of those sort of big ads and the like but 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 i think it actually shows that like the ground war stuff is the most effective way to actually shift a vote it, particularly if you've got a candidate who's actually you know out there and actually meets and talks with people um that personal connection is one like that's that's that is worth big numbers of votes if you can have a positive interaction with someone in a household they convince their you know people in their household they then convince other people well that's you know that's that's exponentially grows that sort of connection and it's the only way you can actually really understand why act um over you know in very big numbers had um uh, rather than rejecting uh and kicking out labor last act election um actually returned with a bigger share of the vote uh and then it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out this time around considering how COVID's disrupted uh labor's well strategy and plan that it that it took from 20 2016 mm. well yeah we talked about like you know more effective and deeper forms of voter contact um door knocking out of the question for several months it's just sort of come back in limited form um, so Labor candidates are able to door knock with a volunteer, um, which is really good, and we've been taking huge advantage of that. Um, and then phone banking, um, of course, we were able to phone bank the whole way, whole way through. But it's—I might have mentioned this on the podcast before—it's so different. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it is. Sitting in your bedroom on a Zoom call with other people's ground calls—it's yeah. dog shit. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's hard. It's really, really demoralizing. Bad. And we've our volunteers have done so much better, you know. Um, the morale's been so much higher since we were able to sort of get yeah. into a room together yeah. and then eat and talk about what what was shit and what was good um, yeah. and just, you know, uh, yeah, the sort of social, even communal dimension to political action mm. is something that can't be overlooked at all. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I guess what's always positive about an election, I think, I mean, one of the, one of the interesting ones is actually when you get more people involved in that process of actually being active and, and doing something uh, to actually try to achieve, you know, getting in a candidate up who is really there to represent the, the policies and views of the people who have campaigned for them. It's, it's a valuable thing. And I know that's something that we talk about a lot on this show, on Dole Capital, uh, which is the point of self-emancipation and involvement. Uh, that people need to be engaged and participate and, and not just sort of sit back and wait for someone else to do it because they, they will do it badly. Uh, and, yeah, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, maybe probably next show we might spend a bit more time on the ACT government. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping, like, well, hopefully we'll, we'll get this one out sooner uh, so we can dedicate some more time to that one because there's definitely lots lots of things going on there. Uh, something else, though, um, and Jacob, you said before we just started talking, the some of the COVID stuff before we actually. I mean, the big thing we wanted to talk about today was really it's the the Shanks Awu um, mm. Barney, which mm. was 
kind of interesting, kind of funny, kind of scary, but I think it has pretty interesting implications to, um, not just implications, it's, it's a point of interest for anyone that's actually engaged in contemporary politics, um, particularly uh, people who are starting to become involved in politics or the current political fights that are going on in um, progressive um, or left parties in Australia at the moment, I thought was um, an interesting takeout. And you know we'll we'll talk about that in a moment, but but uh, in greater length. But COVID, the we've recently had seventy four odd people arrested in uh, Melbourne for a um, an anti uh, lockdown anti lockdown protest. Yeah, and that's a bit weird. Freedom though. Day, I believe Freedom it was Day. called. Um, yeah, Freedom Day. Yeah, I mean, what's that all about? So things in the situation in Victoria is quite dire in lots of ways. I mean, in just. You know, they they had a second outbreak that started about what so six six weeks ago or so, yeah, maybe eight weeks ago, um, which obviously massive cause for concern. Um, the origin of that outbreak, I would say, largely attributable to casual workers having to work. You know, um, either uh, you know because people were working in workplaces that where they weren't properly protected, um, where that you know. Um, or um, people who, yeah, so they're so um, precariously employed, so all precariously housed, that uh, taking time off work out of your casual job is simply out of the question. It doesn't matter how you feel or how safe you feel when you get to work. Um, that is the case. Um, next little bit of background for it, I suppose, is the um, the public housing tower quarantine, which was yeah, they tried widely to considered to be a bit of a debacle. Um, and then hotel quarantine itself became a bit of an issue. Um, uh, worth mentioning, I think, that um, it was largely through security, um, the security workers who were um, guarding hotel quarantine in Melbourne. Um, and I'd just note, um, before we go into talking about what I wanted to bring up, what I put in the show notes, um, that the Victorian Police Union refused to take that security work. Um, and so it had to be contracted out to, to you know, private um, security firms like Wilson, etc. Um, so just worth noting there. Mm. Um, basically, what I want to talk about was the fact that, we, yeah, we had the free, these, these big Freedom Day protests. And there's a fair bit, it seems, uh, a fair bit of crossover between the kind of um, anti-lockdown, anti-mask communities on, on, on your social media, like uh, particularly Facebook. Um, and anti-vaxxing and, you know, QAnon-adjacent conspiracy theory communities online. Um, wow. So we got, like, <laughs> we got New World Order stuff. We got proper, you know, um, anti-Semitic kind of, you know, elite conspiracy theory stuff, like your George Soros and... Bill so the, the, the far right went, went nuts over um, Yeah, I, su- I suppose. But I also... I wonder how fair it is to, to call... To call it far right for a lot of these people, yeah. I think a lot of them are really depoliticized, actually. Yeah. Um, and because they don't have a material analysis of the world that they live in and the world that seems to just continually get worse around yeah. them, um, they do what everybody does automatically, which is start looking for, you know, explanations, reasons for why things are the way they are, uh, explanations for their sen- own sense of sort of, of of powerless and disenfranchisement. And if you don't have a material analysis that uh, understands capital as a kind of social force, not necessarily as a sort of shadowy group of 
of people, yeah. but rather as a social force that you know is the sort of determining social force in our in the, in the society that we live in, then you start looking at particular people or particular groups of people or yeah. particular you know um, ethnicities and and you start going like oh I think you know there's something going on here it's it's really um, the lizard people or whatever right yeah. but anyway so. Um, a particular sort of maybe you know anti-police, anti-authoritarian streak also resides within the people planning yeah. these, these these protests, and it's resulted in some pretty intense clashes with cops. Um, and on the cops side, I'd say the response has been unbelievably he- heavy-handed. So I was interested to hear what you thought about that. I mean, my um, my immediate reaction is kind of to interpret it as being Victorian government, obviously. Um, doesn't have you know complete control over the Victorian police. Mm-hmm. Victorian police is a massive, you know, uh, you know, um, massive institution with its own history and its own internal politics. Yeah, it's a police right? stand. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, I get the sense that you know, for, for, from the perspective of the sort of the the, the big brass in in the Victoria coppers, um, maybe there's a there's an idea that okay, we have to sort of like get in the streets and stamp this stuff out so we can set an example for your average person who might want to just go round to their mate's place for a Sunday barbecue or whatever. But maybe there's something more sinister. I think that there's also a bit of an attitude that the cops want to, you know, get into town in the riot gear, stomp around and start sort of reasserting their control um, or their sort of authority in public spaces, which is probably something that they feel has been being eroded slowly over maybe decades, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Or is uh, that, the, what do you think about yeah, that? Or is well, that? I mean, I think there's like sort of there's there's a, there's a number of like fair points that could be made. It's just like, is it just one? F- it's obviously not just one thing. It's a, a multiplicity of, of factors. There's there's no question. I think that the coercive arm of the state, um, whether that's the Victoria Police or the military, they're like they're, they're you know there'd be there would be individuals in their hierarchy and actually on the ground who probably believe really loving COVID. It's, it's a, um, you know, authoritarian's picnic. Uh, it's great. But that's also tempered with the reality that um, there is, you know, we are facing a pandemic. Um, there is an alternative. Um, the the alternative is actually is unconscionable, which is literally letting the, the pandemic um, go and not control it in any sort of way and uh, find literally find a whole lot of people that are dying um, prematurely before they should have should have passed away and that's that's that would be psychotic behavior from um, you know decision makers and all the rest of it so there, there really is a public health thing um, you know I, I, I sometimes I sometimes have sympathy to um, you know people who feel that um, maybe it's all gone on too long or mm, whatever but yeah. and it is you know obviously we feel a lot of sympathy the comrades down in Victoria with what they're having to put up with but um, I think it's it's one of those ones where it's like watch and document and um, find ways to participate but uh, there are groups out there that have viewed the um, pretty extreme sort of um, situation as an opportunity to um, you know basically candid to a cause they do remind me you did remind me of um the when one nation made a big when pauline hansen made a big splash back in 97 um there was like a you know she had a little bit of a groundswell support so much so that they swallowed the kool-aid and thought they could launch themselves nationally um and what they did part of the people at their groundswell was that 
that kind of people who didn't have all there was always a, a uh, of that there's a diaspora of people there that didn't have all the information we used to call them just soft racists you know like they they would have contradictory ideas in their heads um they might have actually thought of themselves as being racist they might have actually thought oh well they're just there's too much asian migration for example or what when you you, and you had a number of things that you combated that with there was there was facts and there was arguments and there was all sorts of things you could do but the other bit you'd have to do was actually literally a coercive bit by people on the left which was turning up and you know yelling and screaming and carrying on and occasionally shutting down their meetings just to basically show that you know turning up to a one nation meeting is not a respectable thing to do yeah now that's that's the left actually um, going in a way which is pretty robust and confrontational this is the state doing it in terms of actually shutting down a bunch of people who thought you beauty here's our chance to go and mobilize some um, supporters to whatever wacky um, you know thing we got and there yeah there are genuine people there who literally you know got the you know are very concerned and um you know i mean god if you're just silly enough to just sit there and follow facebook all the time uh you'd be coming up with some pretty crazy crazy conspiracy stuff so i i think people on the left down there have got to do their bit in terms of like trying to advocate for something that's rational uh monitoring and as best they can um and raising the concerns about the behaviour of, of the state where it's, you know, um, uh, over the top or, or, or whatever because there's no, no question that that stuff's been going on. And we know it has the the big lockdowns in April, March uh, this year. We know that uh, where fines were issued to people, um, funnily enough, when they looked at it in New South Wales, and you know, we're predominantly in, um, you know, working class poor areas uh, <laughs> where these fines are, they went wandering around Mossman, you know, issuing fines and stuff. They were they're out they're out in Western Sydney, so there's a definitely a disproportionate sort of stuff going on there. Well, but yeah, what yeah. I, what I'm kind of worried about actually um, is the, the the left's role, or not, not even the left, you know, like the centre and the soft left and. Um, sort of the left commentariat's role in, in normalising kind of the heavy-handed stuff that's mm. coming out of the cops. There's a, there's a yeah. bit of an attitude that people see, say, like um, there was a, a clip, of a, a quite distressing clip, I thought, of a woman being ripped out of her car yeah. by a cop that came out yesterday. Yeah. And this woman, she doesn't, she's obviously not politicised. Yeah. She's, um, she's uh, consumed a bunch of, like, sovereign citizen garbage on Facebook, oh right? Oh, God. And yeah. she started going, like, um, oh, you know, I, don't, I know what my rights are without knowing um, and refusing to give her ID and stuff um, and then yeah the, the reaction of the of the cop is to literally um, reach in undo her seatbelt and just rip her out of the car yeah um, just just get the shit out of her yeah, yeah yeah and you know um, to look at the like you know say um, Twitter replies on the on the seven news story about it or on Facebook people are kind of gleeful about this kind of kind of shit yeah, um, as yeah, though yeah. it hasn't been as though, as though you know like these kinds of tactics um, and it's also, you know, massive police presence um, and heavy handedness, at, yeah. at, you know, has, hasn't been present at left wing, you know, rallies and protest strikes, no, for pickets a long time. for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that if you if you sort of zoom out a little bit and think about the sort of broader trend, there, there is something really disturbing about the creeping authoritarianism. There is. There and is. I don't like obviously yeah. like the, I think the Victorian government or the Victorian Labor Party have not managed to like hang on to the narrative and so as victoria police have been able to kind of run rampant the the narrative that's come out is like the dictator dan thing which is kind of absurd because um if dan andrews had the power over victoria police to like cause to to cause them to like you know 
um, to brutalize people um, on command or whatever, then we'd be living in a totally different... I mean, it would be a different, different universe. Party, yeah. Yeah. It would be. It yeah. would be. Um, and and I, I guess that does go back to the original point, which was, I think, it, it's a a health a health crisis that it should be led by by health and there's been quite legit there's been a number of inquiries that state and federal governments have been you know actually getting into but when you get down to it it, it is something a bit disturbing where aspects of of lockdowns and enforcement have actually been led by the coercive arms of the state uh, as opposed to being led by um, medical professionals and that is actually interesting something that does happen in hospitals where um, what you really need is the way they deal with say a patient um, say a camera hospital for example patient that's um you know psychotic or whatever like yeah the the wardsmen there have um, who've had the appropriate training can actually um you know act with uh, mm. physical force to restrain someone and the yeah. like and then you know wait for the you know it's basically the health, health professionals involved in um making a call as to what they do next that sort of stuff like it's got to be that i guess you know on the, on the team thing whatever but it should be health led not led by the police in terms of um doing that but i mean yeah sadly some of these things are you know i think they've left, they've lost control of of that and in the absence of losing you know wanting to not lose with control they're coming down really heavy-handed so yeah i i don't know like it's not really something i'm an expert on and it is something really scary and, and concerning but um, there's one more thing yeah. i wanted to sort of to say about it which was um, about a picture that came out i think today or yesterday um someone's taken a photo of a of a um victoria bobby on the on the on a, the lines of probably one of these lockout lockdown protests and um he's got a um a patch on his shoulder and it's a it's the american thin blue line flag um if you familiar with that symbol I, i'd heard of it i saw a reference to it right the other day it's like a, thing. Um, it's, it's like a US it's a far flag. right it's, it's black and white flag except it's one of the stripes is blue it alludes to the idea of a thin blue line, you know, of the cops standing between kind of total total anarchy and, total and anarchy. society, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and something I've been thinking about actually ever since the, the BLM protests um, sprung up in, in the States earlier this year, and then there were some small flare-ups, similar flare-ups in Australia. Um, of course, here in Australia, we have our own long, shameful history of, um, of racist oppression, yep. particularly against um, Indigenous people. Yep. Um, that... The police attitudes, the kind of recklessness or the even the, the kind of sadism um, that was coming out of the cops made me wonder about how much communication is going on between international uh, internationally between police forces. And I started thinking about the idea of like a police international, um, just in the sense that there's got to be. Um, so uh, totally speculating, but my prediction is that maybe sometime in the next 12, 24 months or so, we'll, we'll find out about this happening. Yeah. There's got to be you know, um, Facebook groups, forums, and other other kinds of, you know, um, internet fora, where um, there are cops sharing their experiences um, and expressing solidarity with each other. And I think generally, you know, creating a kind of like united front against what they perceive to be this pervasive problem in the Anglosphere, uh, where, um, you know, populations are getting out of hand, or they have this like sort of collective siege mentality where um, they're the ones who adjudicate between who's a kind of, um, a, you know, a acceptable citizen and who's a deviant citizen. And then um, they're also tasked with enforcing the line between them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there 
I think we'll probably oh, see look, something. It's worth, worth a yeah. whole, whole other show if yeah, we talk yeah. about that. Um, yeah, maybe we'll come back to it. Uh, maybe I'll do some research and try yeah. to find if, you know, I'm well, sure. Uh, look, it's, yeah, it's probably absolutely there because, yeah. look, we know there was that shocking uh, case where Keir Starmer in the UK, like the, the so-called leader of the, the British Labor Parliamentary Labor Party, uh, when he disgraced, disgracefully um, uh, forced... Uh, Rebecca, what was her name? Rebecca, Rebecca Long Bailey. Rebecca Long Bailey mm. to to resign for. Yeah. I, I don't know. She reposted someone else's article. Yeah, and an then interview that, uh, with and, an actress. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that and in that article, like that particular actress had said a number of things. A well known um, supporter of a a free and just um, Palestine. Um, but but one of one of the things that was in like. Just it was just disgraceful what what had happened there. But one of the things was they they uh, uh, Long Bailey came into criticism for what this person had written. It was like, well, she didn't write it. She she forwarded the thing on. That's let's just park that there. But I remember one of the things in the article which was interesting, which actually ended up being well, it's true. It's proven that oh, the U.S. and Israeli police actually do regularly were having involved in uh, training and swaps and all sorts of stuff in terms of their their techniques and knowledge and look there absolutely um you know we know that the military in australia regularly has exchanges with um you know other countries um of course of course the security forces and the police forces are have their own exchanges and experiences that they have with with others and yeah that siege uh, mentality stuff which is always you know there um whether how hardcore that is i mean obviously they might i don't know them um they're, they're having a bit a bit more of a um, sensitive than they usually are at mm. the moment. Mm. Don't know why, but okay. I, I think that maybe you there's know? a key difference between like US cops yeah. are genuinely afraid of the entire population, right? Like, mm. um, and you know, depending on where they are and what their own professional experience is, yeah. they'll have differing degrees of, you know, personal justification yeah, for yeah, feeling yeah. that way. Yeah. In Australia, it's not like that at no, all. No, it's not. Um, I mean, Australians not like, yeah. are like a we're we're a nation of of dutiful rule followers, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're also not an armed population. No, that's right. That's so right. there's no, there's very little chance of, of a cop yeah. sort of getting getting shot on a routine traffic stop or something, which yeah, is no. often the justification used for the brutal forces oh, against look, people in the States, right? Yeah. The Australian cops, I think, have a different thing going on. There's a slightly different dynamic. There's a certain sadism in the way that mm. they treat people, which comes from knowing that if you pull someone over, you can fuck with them and they can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. There is. It. There, there's uh, a minority in uh, the police force that do it. And, and that minority is actually probably scary, scary in terms of its numbers. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure. Look, I've known people who've you know joined the the police force, worked for the police force in the past, and uh, a lot of a lot of there are plenty of people who join the police force, the security forces, or the military, and with very the best of intentions. Um, sadly, it's pretty horrible work at the end of the day. Uh, it can be pretty valuable for some people, but uh, a, a lot of it's you know as, as um, we often point out and talk about in the left, and we'll talk about this probably more. Is is literally enforcing um, the the power of private property, collecting fines, yep. um, enforcing on the poor, uh, and if your human interactions are mainly with, um, you know, disengaged, alienated, messed up people, well, it's going to give you a pretty warped view of humanity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah, not good. Now that's that. In terms of warped views of humanity, we're mm. we're going to get go switch topics now because nice we've segue. we've gone from ACT politics to um, uh, the the police in the state. Yeah. 
uh, the coercive coercive arm of the state and the like mm-hmm. on Dole Capital. Uh, we're going to talk now about an interesting Barney that mm. kicked off recently. Um, yeah, so... Uh, oh, yeah, let me just uh, jump in. All right, so look, when twits play takedown, um, Twitter and social media is a pretty problematic platforms as we've talked about we could probably spend a whole show talking about that mm. but but one of the interesting things was uh, a bizarre spat which developed on twitter recently in which a very well-known and rather popular youtuber uh, a guy called jordan shanks or friendly geordies got into a spat with a communications person from awu well that that is the australian unemployed workers union mm. now on the 23rd of August, uh, Shanks used his Friendly Geordies podcast uh, without not meeting much egging on by uh, powerful people, as he talked about, and Bill Shorten's oh, he's staffers. Friends, he's got friends in high places. Oh, guy. mate, he's dropping, dropping those oh. names in there. It's rather fairly uh, recent sort of... Um, uh, that's been morphing with his interesting career. Interesting. Uh, yeah, in which he raised and basically foreshadowed... Uh, uh, that he was going to do a show to raise um, allegations and have a big old crack at, at Awu, mm. uh, at the Awu leadership. Yeah. Um, the subsequent uh, YouTube sh- um, show was aired on the 28th of August. A number of allegations of corrupt governance, willful negligence in terms of services for people that they were providing, um, you know, venal personal advancement, so, you know, making money out of, you know, whatever, uh, are made against the office bearers of Awu in that show. As a result, there's been a, a blow-up um, that has seen some rather questionable allies of the ALP and, and in the Labor movement um, who have used the attack on Awu specifically um, as, a, as a way to have a go at Awu, mm. to sort of you know, point score their own vendettas. Um, but it's also been used as a bit of a proxy to attack critical voices mainly from the left and the ALP and a broader Labor movement. So that's kind of what sort of caught my eye with this one. Mm. Um, I guess part of the thing is that Shanks has some rather, um, you know, fairly decent points, I thought. Mm. Uh, there is the, the point of the confusion over the name. Um, seemingly, it's a bit of an intellectual leap for Shanks and his mates on their podcast to actually understand <laughs> that you can be have the name union, the yeah. word union in your name and not actually be a trade yeah. union. Yeah. Uh, there, there are lots of unions in the world. Even in Australia, we actually still have organisations that aren't industrial organisations mm. or trade unions um, that have, have the word union in it. There well, are rugby unions, there's tenants unions, there are mm. uh, credit unions. And look, and don't get me wrong, like, I, I do actually have, have enjoyed his, um, his satire and his comedy in the past and the like, but uh, it, it has been interesting, the, the trajectory that's taken in the maybe, I think perhaps in the last five months or so, uh, more and more political, but uh, more and more political in a way which has probably caught some people by surprise. Um, yeah, the, the confusion about the word union is, is pretty um, ridiculous. Mm. Um, we've got the European Union, the US Civil Rights Union. So, look, I would, I actually agree that probably a name change is probably... Uh, oh, really? Maybe, uh, maybe worthwhile. Yeah. I, I okay. look, you'll have to hear me a while. Yeah, as sure. we go on with a chat. I, I think that would be wise mm-hmm. to change the name. 
Okay. Now, I understand where the union um, bit in the Awu bit comes from. It comes from a very rich history in Australia uh, in the late 19th century into the early, in, into the 20th century of different organisations uh, involved in uh, advocacy for the unemployed and the, well, those, you know, the poor, basically. Now, Awu sees themselves in this current mob um, were formed in 2014, sort of, you know, saying, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, we um, building on the legacy of those organisations, and it's partly like I think it's a positive thing that they exist. Yeah. Um, however, you know, there's that the rich history. I mean, you, you know, you've you've looked into yeah. some of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so back from like you know even before we had the welfare state in Australia, even before there was somebody to complain to, you know, at least in terms of um, there being some you know centralised bureaucracy like Centrelink um, that was mistreating unemployed people um, against whom they could lay claim. Uh, unemployed people have been getting together in Australia um, under lots of different names. Um, the first, probably first really prominent one would have been the Unemployed Workers Movement, I believe they were called, um, or Out of out of Workers Movement, something like that, um, during the Great Depression. Um, so then uh, a bit later on, um, you know, after you had like the um, collapse of the Bretton Woods system, for example, and, um, you know, massive inflation in the 70s, um, again, in Australia, a bunch of unemployed workers groups um, cropped up, um, the original Unemployed Workers Union being one of them. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, WOW, um, Wollongong Out of Work, Out of Workers, uh, uh, again, um, which was a bunch of sort of younger kind of punks in Wollongong. Um, yeah, many of them haven't had the name Union. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to hear um, sort of what you think about that, like why, why it is that the name Union... Um, isn't you know, I suppose, or or, yeah, if it's less help, helpful than it should be, or yeah, look, I, I think, well, there's two points. Like, like I understand why it's used, and I understand the the theory. Well, it's not the theory; it's the 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 politics of using keeping that term of unemployed workers union. Uh, goes back to that historical mm. legacy, and and the historical legacy is also based on the fact that, like working people, workers at times can find themselves um, either denied through uh, actions of themselves, or more the point, basically structural, uh, you know, the, the, the structures in society can throw people out of work, right? And uh, being unemployed it can be a transitional thing. At some point, a worker will find themselves back in work. You know, that's you know a good thing or whatever. Now we can get into a uh, I don't think we need to. We're not, we're not here on this show to glamorise uh, working. Uh, I think you know we'd actually rather have uh, people living and be more happy. But mm. there is value to work. That's all fine. Mm. So we're not going to talk about job guarantees mm. or any of that other stuff. Well, it's a question of, of, of work versus alienated labour. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so look, I, I think there's there was a definitely the the use of the term union and, and all the rest of it in terms of the the campaigning in the 30s and, and then later on, uh, very relevant. Um, I think what's been interesting in the Australian context, though, and I was look, trying, I was looking, thinking organisations we've, you know, still use union in their mm. terminology, and the way in which our actually operates, it really is. If you look at how they describe themselves and like, and you know, I've signed up for their, you know, to be a mm-hmm. member in inverted commas, but yeah. basically a supporter. Yeah. Um, is they are an advocacy group that provides information and mm. uh, advocacy for right. those who wish to receive information and. and you know, advocacy from them, right? Mm. Um, now, that is like so many other NGOs you know, out there who uh, lobby, who 
raise issues, who um, find a, 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 a clients or stakeholders, if you like, mm. uh, who get information together and then try to disseminate it, as well as and have a react uh, interaction with people and then go to, go and advocate. And now, they're not a trade union in the sense that we know that, but that's not the point. Um, I think there is confusion because of the decline of uh, trade unionism in this country. Um, I think you're already dealing with minorities and there's only really we're starting to talk about minorities or minorities who actually understand the nuances of a a a socialist argument that Mm. you know yeah we should have uh unions that represent the unemployed because Mm. people are unemployed are transient they may find themselves being a a worker the next day yeah Yeah, yeah. or they might be underemployed or more's the point uh i think you know uh, organizations that try to advocate for the poor that aren't uh, that are uh, currently at a point in time disconnected from selling their labor mm. Mm. Um, yeah I mean um, totally I think uh, I think yeah Savannah Benson um, comrade from Canberra um, actually wrote a, a really good little piece um, just sort of talking about this issue um, yeah she she wasn't really sort of like coming down on either side but she made the really good point that um, there are organizations like for example the German Ten- Tenants Union mm. um, that are you know vitally important civil society organizations that do stuff like advocating for people um, based on uh, based on their sort of collective interests but also operating as a forum for people to act collectively together yeah. rather than being advocated on behalf of and so I think that yeah the the structure of the AUWU um, because it's not a registered organization and it exists uh, in a world where there's already been all these barriers put up to the, to the formation of, of new unions. Yeah. Um, uh, they, yeah, you know, like the, that there was that um, criticism that, that um, Geordie's leveled against them that they claim to have, say, 10,000 or so members. But in fact, if you look at their, you know, incorporation documents, it's like 40 people 46 or 46 members. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So... So it's an uh, incorporated yeah. association. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically what it is, is there's a central branch which... which uh, operates like a sort of central coordinating office, right? Mm. But I've been to a um, ACT branch meeting of the AUWU. Yeah. Um, there were like 15 people there. They were all unemployed people, all of them. And there was mm. nobody there from party office, central office or, you know, whatever. Um, and my experience of it was that it was a completely open democratic procedure. Yeah. You know, proceeding. Yeah. Um, and so I think that to, um, to look at the... The, the you know the national branch or whatever they call themselves and say this is to condemn them to condemn the whole the whole you know union and or organization um, maybe fails to acknowledge the fact that uh, along uh, along with a lot of other failings this perspective fails to acknowledge the fact that they exist in a very restrictive environment and yep. that that's that they are that way because it's how they have to be you know yeah, um, and yeah. and I think look at one point he does. He, although it's the it's the clever bit. He he does actually say, oh yes, he does make a very quick line about the, the people that are unemployed need need advocacy. Mm. And then you know in in the podcast, and then even it's just look the podcast was appalling in terms mm. of like like he it, it, it was kind of you could tell it was like lining up for a gotcha moment which yeah. he which he then did in the YouTube thing because you know they they fell for it which was like. Um, there was this really quite outrageous, horrible things, um, which he claims were just levelled at the people, the office bearers of this organisation. But really, like, you don't have to half a brain. You're mm. just continuing the same old rubbish that you hear from, um, well, I guess, you know, right-wing nutbags about mm. people un- unemployed, you know? 
yeah. um, you know, and, and repeating them. It was mm. it was crap. But um, the governance like calling uh, them dopamine addicts and like drug addicts, um, impl- implying that they uh, live comfortably off the money of the members of the union, which is yeah. quite a quite a heinous and and false thing to say. Yeah, um, like everybody who. Uh, is on the sort of central organizing body of the AUWU is a volunteer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that you're right. He was sort of repeating a lot of of really you know, disgusting. Oh, you know, relaying tweets from people, people like yeah. um, you know what cha- uh, you know I'm bringing the revolution on, on by not looking someone in the eye in a job interview. Like I mean, it's just, it's really bullshit yeah. sort of stuff said uh, on that which I was you know I was pretty appalled I was actually kind of surprised actually mm. to be honest because I've been I mean, a bit of a fan uh, not a fan boy but you know but like mm. the stuff but, I've uh, seen enough of his videos but, about um, yeah. the RBT show to know that he there is a bit of sort of um, you know anti-working class sentiment that runs deep deep underneath a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. he makes to be honest well look and I look at the negligence bit, like, I mean I would say like, like you know we're, we're democratic socialists and, and we do fundamentally um, support membership participation and accountability of office bearers absolutely um, so you know if mm. in an association an incorporated association they, they could be like the community radio station or, or whatever or a trade union or a political party is behaving badly then we agree you know that it's yeah absolutely calling out and um, more as a point, support members that want to change something that, that may be wrong. Now, that's one of the things that actually was missing from that contribution at all, um, from that intervention there. There's nothing in there about encouraging the members, you know, the well, I guess the supporters of AWU to actually, like, go and get rid of that leadership mm. or go and question, um, mm. make, make some questions about, well, okay, how's the, the governance run? Mm. There's nothing in there at all. It's literally like, this, this, I wanted to blow this organisation up. Yeah, uh, which was pretty ordinary. Yeah. So and look, and at the end of that, it's up to the members and the supporters of that organisation to make those changes. Now, yeah. It's fair enough for someone who has you know has a view. That's fine, but it's not up to you to do it, mate. Mm. Like someone else, you got to actually go and support those people to and enable help them to actually go and make the change that you think yeah. needs to be done. That's well, that's how politics works. Yeah, you know, we don't just you know have tantrums because we don't we got in a spat mm. with some comms officer who may have hurt your feelings. Mm. Like you know, that's just bizarre. Like. Yeah. Grow a spine. There's plenty of trade union hacks out there who will yeah. hurt your feelings. Yeah. You know, as if the Labor Party is a fucking, you know, temple of decorum and yeah. and polite <laughs> polite conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. That attitude I think was carried over to like uh, a lot of the, you know, um, media class Labourite people um, yep. who jumped to friendly Geordie's defence in the in the course of the kind of like sort of gross back and forth between himself and a couple of their AUWU people. Um, we had the quite, I thought, shameful spectacle of Nick Durrenfirth, who uh, runs the John Curtin Research Centre, which is a Labor Party think tank, yep. actually saying that, um, uh, firstly, um, completely out of nowhere, baselessly, um, making claims about anti-Semitism coming from AUWU people. Um, it's, it's the old right wing reach for that one, you know. Bizarre, yeah, bizarre. Yeah. You, you get you get yeah. attacked by someone who obviously is a left wing thinking mm. person. Oh, let's call him a, a freaking anti semite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, and then, um, but worse than that, I thought. Well, maybe not worse than that, actually, but mm. equally badly, uh, actually saying that anybody who's a, a member of both organisations, the ALP and the AUWU, should be expelled from the Labor Party. Mm. Yep. Um, I thought it was, I, I yeah, I couldn't believe. 
but I read that basically. Yep. And then um, there was also, um, I've got it here. Uh, so that was that. Um, we had here Kos Samaras, who um, is a board member of the, the John, Cur John Curtin Research School, making the claim that the AEW is running um, troll farms. Um, <laughs> um, couldn't couldn't possibly be that there's just a lot of unemployed people on Twitter with a bunch of time yeah. on their hands. Well, it may be that. Um, uh, actually just replying to you and telling you to fuck off. Um, no, it must be uh, it must be a bot farm, you know, somewhere in uh, Chechnya, a bunch of teenagers. Yes, the, sitting, the, know, the, the, the glass the, the glass draw jaws yeah. of the commentariat, uh, those that um, surround the parliamentary Labor parties, whether it's the federal or the state mm. um, sort of uh, thing, and and the uh, you know the comms offices of of, of office bearers of um, trade unions is mm. is it is incredible mm. uh, in this country. I think the the Brits have a lot more experience with it, but it is actually been pretty interesting to sort of watch this sort of pan out in the last ten years. The egos are amazing, and they just cannot handle. Like I think really for their own mental health, maybe they should get off Twitter. You know. Like absolutely, because well, if they obviously can't yeah, handle right. that, yeah. you know, there are going to be random people out there mm. that you can't control, you know, who are going to attack you. Yeah. and that what does that create? We we end up creating this um, bizarre kind of it's it's nuclear war mm. out on the, on those platforms, mm. and that's why I think we should have nothing to do with them. But that's another point yeah. for another conversation. You also had like yeah, um, yeah D Madigan and Van Batten. Yeah. Um, also. Um, really Our favourite conservatives who yeah, call yeah, themselves socialists, yeah. yeah. De decrying yeah. the sort of, yeah, the, the comportment of these people, of, you know, the AUWU, um, you know, um, people on, on Twitter, mm. on their own personal Twitter accounts, by the way. Yes. But the idea, I just wanted to point out, the idea that, like, um, these people, these, like, media figures who claim to represent the labour movement, um, that they should be able to get up on their high horse and decide what the, like, what the standard of decorum or of civility has to be um, when we, when when people criticise the Labor Party, particularly because that's what mm. they're really upset about, right? Um, or you know, generally when people level criticism at them personally, or when there are debates had about yep. policy on online in public fora, um, that they that the the standards that you know that they set are the ones everyone has to follow. Yep. Um, never mind the fact that you can go through Friendly Geordie's tweets and his replies, and you can see all kinds of of heinous abuse of people. Um, including the uh, interaction that started off this whole thing, which was actually interacting Pretty between himself stuff. and a, um, and a buzz, an ex-BuzzFeed journalist because he's got to fucking be in his bonnet about some like new media companies from, from five years ago for some reason. Um, like, abuse, you know, like, it happens. Um, and I think that you, just because someone types something on Twitter... Mm. Um, as opposed to sort of just like telling you to fuck off in the street, which they'd probably be just as likely to do, it doesn't mm. make it trolling, you know? No, it doesn't. Um, you it have doesn't. to be, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to, if you're going to be on Twitter, you got to learn to be told to fuck off and, and take it on the chin. Yeah. I, I think there's probably something a bit more, um, a bit more nefarious going on, unfortunately. It wasn't just, okay. it wasn't just the, um, uh, I'm, I'm a bit too sensitive about when someone has a, has a crack at me. Um, don't you know who I am sort of stuff mm. um, there, there's definitely something um, more afoot in terms of the, the uh, uh, politics um, of it but 
I'm going to park that there mm. because what I will say though, the negligence stuff, I, what I True. think, like if there is you know, people behaving badly, it needs to be called out. Any incorporated association is bound by uh, laws around incorporated associations. They have to have elections. They have to publicise things. Um, they're also bound by Work Health and Safety Acts. They're also bound by um, the consumer law, just like anyone else. Mm. They exist to provide a, you know, a service for the clients or stakeholders or whatever. That's how it works in capitalist society in Australia, right? So... Fair enough. Mm-hmm. If, they, if people are really serious, go and raise it. Do yep. it. And members of that organisation and, and clients of that should say, "Hey, what's going on? Go and fix up your, you know, uh, what's what's happening? Is this stuff true? Or lift your game? Or if you're couldn't go and engage with it and do it. That's that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, does this organisation deserve to be blown up? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad it exists. I think there needs to be something and more more of mm-hmm. uh, in terms of advocacy for um, people who are find themselves discommunicated, you know, disconnected from the, the labour market and more the point, um, the poor, uh, absolutely. Now, what I would say, um, one thing I found, that there's the stuff that's really quite conserving though, like the negligent stuff, like Shanks in his show makes a serious allegation that a person seeking support from Awu uh, from their phone line never received contact and allegedly subsequently committed suicide now the inference is that are we somehow responsible for that individual's actions like mm. it's sort of left there floating yeah know, of course yeah. now now the, the thing is like that's just like it's off it's appalling yeah um but you know if a crime's been committed then report it mm. right so like i'm saying they're, they're bound by laws like other people but it, it may be fair to say that Arwa's office, you know, they failed to provide, you know, diligent contact to, to people seeking information. Um, it is problematic when you're involved in advocacy organisations, like trade unions suffer from this all the time. Um, when you're dealing with vulnerable people and people at the wrong end of things, um, you need to be clear about what information and, and advice and support and advocacy you can provide. Now, I could actually absolutely understand that you could have instances where that organisation is just not equipped. And that's something he mentions in his in his uh, former office bearer of it, saying, hey, we should just be directing people to to, to Lifeline. Fair enough, that mm. might be the call. But, mm. um, you know, it's 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 problematic. And I know we, we talked about this the other day. There was, there was an interesting... Um, situation with me, me Too in yeah. Australia. Well, when I heard the, the, the allegations about this, um, that was the first thing I thought of, was I remembered, um, you'll recall 2018, um, around the time that sort of allegations against um, Don Burke, Craig McLaughlin, some other people in showbiz in Australia started coming out, um, that Tracy Spicer, the um, Australian newsreader, journalist, mm. um, set up a, her, you know, a, a Me Too organisation um, that was, you know, um, accepting donations, I think, and, and they set up their own hotline. Yeah. But it was woefully under-resourced, um, particularly time-wise. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, probably a half a dozen, maybe a dozen people that set up this NGO and tried to create, like, you know, a hotline that we, that people could call to report, you know, sexual misconduct of various yep. kinds in their industries, right? Yeah. And, of course... Similar story. Um, they they couldn't handle the influx of stuff coming in, and they'd made promises about um, you know follow ups, legal advice, and um, pastoral care that they yeah. couldn't keep up with. Couldn't right? do it. And so yeah, like uh, it made me think a bit about about that. Um, like uh, there there are some differences, of course, but um, in reality, um, this is what happens when a small group of people with their hearts in the right place try to 
patch up a huge fucking disaster that is caused by yeah. you know relation relations in capitalism and by failures of the state or the state the actions of the state in the way that it, that it you know conceives its role in yep. capitalism yep um and so um you know i do think that the that person i mean like yeah so i've been unemployed and i've gone through the the kafkaesque maze of centrelink and everything. yeah you know so, um yeah I struggle to see how um, if that person was sort of driven to suicidal ideation um, how uh, a, a failed attempt to, to seek help from their union yep. would um, do anything other than confirm the inevitable if they were already going to do that oh look I, it, it, yeah yeah it is it, it is perplexing and i think the whole point that that example is raised is literally just for smear and mm. for points and yeah. i know you got you got a lot of people commenting on it because mm. it, it was like oh they didn't call him back and someone was vulnerable like oh, they killed themselves now yeah. we don't know if that's true or not mm. it could be complete bs yeah. right but i'm not doubting that there are stories like that and it does mm. regularly because i've i've worked for trade unions i've I've done volunteer work for volunteer organisations, incorporated associations, mm. you know, to be mm. accurate, right? Where, you, you know, you will come across people who are vulnerable and, and find themselves at the wrong end of stuff. Now, now, in those situations that you can have people calling out for help or whatever, you have to be absolutely clear about what advice and support you can give. Yep. And if you're not the organisation as resource to provide, uh, that can provide the advice and support, don't do it. That's it. Now, it is interesting that, I looked into it and, you know, I will actually provide on their website, they provide a very comprehensive list of links yeah. and contacts, uh, mainly to government uh, mm. lines and, and links to, you know, processes to deal with, you know, the Casca, um, you know, Stalinist universe that is uh, Centrelink. Mm. But there are, you know, links to, to well, welfare organisations and think tanks and I mean, trade unions and that sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, I would say they probably needed a little bit more in terms of the welfare or support stuff. Maybe like, you know, I'm not, you know, screaming Beyond Blue or, or Lifeline or whatever. Personally, I think that stuff should be run by the state. Mm. But you know, it is like maybe you could have that on your website too. Maybe a little bit more of an explanation about what you will do for people. What you know, like we're going to advocate for a better situation for the poor. Mm. Um, not promise people the world that you know and and that's you know they could do that it's something in their control to do mm. provide more clarity about yeah. what their role how is and how about they do. consulting your membership about what yeah. they actually need from what you, they need from right? you yeah, yeah that's that's fine that's yeah. that's a fair criticism i think um and i think the, that me too examples are, and, and it is a mm. classic um left them themselves mm. so they've left themselves open for a pacing there from uh from mr shanks and and uh, you know, um, uh, people who sort of would follow Shanks thinking, oh well, he says, oh well, it must be true then. It must be true. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think the the real rubbish stuff, though, I think is the political motivation, which I alluded to before. Now, part of the motivation for Shanks was what he thinks is ineffective. Like, there's all about you know what's ineffective, mm. um, the ineffective activities of our, our work. Now, it's come up a lot more these days. He had had a piece that was kind of attacking the climate change rallies uh, a while ago. The criticism, and uh, fair enough, it was a fair criticism. Some of the points were yeah, f- fairly flat, valid, I thought. But the the biggest thing was he, the, his viewpoint was basically arguing for the divestment in um, of your superannuation into um, super funds that. You yeah, know, aren't invested in fossil yeah, fuel production yeah. or yeah. Fine. Yeah. Not a big deal. But 
part of it is there was always there was a bit of a tone of like oh you know you shouldn't be protesting it's ineffective yeah it was just yeah there was mm. this sort of inferred implied mm. i thought it was you know pretty pretty rubbish yeah. position right very As conservative a, rubbish position yeah now what's yeah. what's really come to head me with this this whole thing on the podcast he, he turns around and says he says i I mean, I read it here, right? Mm-hmm. I just won't. I just want to out them because it's exactly what has happened to the Greens and New South Wales. It's been taken over by a little squadron of uh, CUNTs that have put themselves into. Yeah, no, that's the way we have to cut it out. But who've put themselves into all the the right key positions, and they are moving that institution into a stupid, dumb, ra- dumb, radically radical positions that they shouldn't that is making everyone else hate them and becoming extremely ineffective in the process and it's all for self-serving purposes so what you got there like it's just this condensed labor right operative you know bizarre land like you know i was quite talk, talk, um, you know taken aback by it. it's, it's pure uh, New South Wales Labour right sort of rubbish yeah. it's liberal politicking it's the smaller liberals who oh someone says something a little bit too um, you know don't be too radical because you're going to make us look bad mm. you know mm. and in terms of like oh making people hate them what, who are you yeah. talking about well it's the same um, it's the same like retconning of um, civility politics into your own um, actual material interests that the, the Democrats are doing over the, mm. around the Bernie Sanders campaign yeah so what you, the refrain you repeatedly hear is Oh, you know, actually didn't mind Bernie Sanders, but I was really turned off by the cult, his cult followers and, and how mean they were to everybody on Twitter. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just. And they did that same bullshit. thing. The it's Corbyn. just a way yeah, of of, yeah. of of like ju- of justifying yeah. the choice that you made. Yeah. Right. Because if you, well, on the one hand, if you genuinely believe that um, it's more important for uh, the representatives of an organisation or of a, of a movement or or a political campaign, in the case of of Bernie. Um, to be nice to everybody in, on their personal Twitter accounts than it is simply to, you know, further the goals that you share with them, mm. then I'm sorry, uh, you're not, you're the one that's not effective. Mm. If, that's how you, if that's more important to you than the advancement of the material interests of working and unemployed working people, you're the ineffective person here. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I reject it. I reject it entirely. It's yeah, extremely frustrating. And look at it. Look, I think one one thing that's useful though is that Shanks has actually, I think, finally made it absolutely very clear where his politics is coming from. It's it's not uh, it's not journalism. It's certainly not satire, and it's certainly not left wing or, or even progressive. The the New South Wales right, let's face it, are a reactionary organisation. They have run that New South Wales branch for a very long time. And they are probably some of the most appalling human beings in the world. I, that's in my opinion. Uh, I, you know, I think it's sad that he's literally been has been interesting. Like the people that he's been getting out to interview, they're coming in, and this diatribe here. A lot of this, you know, is that aimed at the green stuff. I just just really weird. If you mm. think about the New South Wales Greens, it's like, what exactly is your problem with the New South Wales Greens? Like, like they've got really progressive positions and 
you know, if, if you're like for well, for socialists, like there's plenty of things you can yeah. agree with. They're also, I'd um, say, probably one of the one of the few state branches of a party in Australia that are as hard to get involved with as the New South Wales Labor Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're they've just got a lot as, in common. They're just as anti anti democratic, <laughs> um, and that, that's that's um, that's it's that's kind of this kind of strange sort of stuff. It's just mm. sectarian sort of silliness, but mm. it's also like, what, what are you talking about? Um, but what I was what I was going to go like it's it is sad I think that he's gone from being a uh, someone that, that was a sort of semi-regular sort of propagandist for, mm. for Labor and for the Labor movement We've more broadly. We've talked off, off Mike a lot about yeah, his, 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 his utility as a, yeah. as a decent sort of... Positive. At least, you know, as a propagandist whose audience would be people who are like basically dis- disengaged from politics um, and who, um, yeah, who are likely to, to kind of um, have their political views swung by yeah. a bit of a bit of sort of comedy that cuts through yeah. all the bullshit that they that they're constantly kind of yeah. um, encountering and it's look it's i think it's gonna it's taken i think it's gonna take more and more of an edge off his satire i mm. think this this basically um settling into become a cheer, cheer boy for the uh for the establishment of the the labor right bureaucracy um you know the the sectarian is bizarre the the the, the, the green stuff is really strange um and also, you know, there's this implied mockery of the left. I mean, one of these Muppets, he's on the podcast with, you know, someone says comrade and it's all, you know, big scoffs oh, and all the rest. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, like, oh, you're so funny, man. Um, but, like, these are normally people, like, you know, this is someone who normally prides himself on being well-researched and, you know, mm. uh, an intelligent person. Uh, very strange. Now, I mean, I, th- I think the other thing for me is, like, uh, if he cares so much about democracy, uh, then he should have a really good hard look at the New South Wales Labor Party because there is bugger all the democracy. We've talked about this a number of times. They don't let you pre-select your senators. Unless on the record, we're both members of the Labor Party. We get mm-hmm. to pre-select our senators. We sure do. We also get to vote in pre-selections, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that, you know, thankfully, well, sadly, to the, uh, the absolute disgust we had uh, the federal... Uh, executive intervene on us um, last time round. What a disgrace! But we're for actually members de- determining who their representatives are. Yeah. You know? um, that's not the New South Wales Labor Party, mate. Um, the you know they they have a process where they have these stacked committees that ultimately decide who is going to be elected to state governments to, to become state um, legislative mm-hmm. um, members and, and the like. It's it's a joke. Those those communities are, are stacked full of full timers, parliamentary full timers, yep. and union full timers. Yep. There there is bugger all genuine um, uh, rank and file partic- mm. participation. It's how the pipeline uh, of sort of you know um, student politics to um, to cabinet re- uh, reproduces yeah. itself, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you wanted if you wanted to get involved, well, look, you can go to their website. Um, they won't. You you could not find a sub branch to help yourself, mate. Like. Uh, they can tell you that there are action committees, um, which is well, that sounds interesting. Mm. It's, it's, it's just rubbish. Like you know, you've got friends of Ireland, uh, you know, friends of this, friends. Ah, oh, that's all good. Could you find a local sub branch actually, like in your local community? How do you get involved? No. Surely, no, no, no. I don't put that. Good I don't let you know. How, you know who you can call to find out where, where, where can I? How actually? It's not even about how can I get involved. You can know? I get involved? Yeah, and <laughs> well, how do you guys work? Mm. You know, like oh, if I get involved, like blah. Um, but there's certainly there about like, oh, hand over your personal information, hand over your credit card details, and that's it, mm. right? There's plenty of that stuff going on in New South Wales Labor. There's bugger all when it comes to actually mm. democracy. And that's because like people in that thing want to keep it that way. They want to just run air wars 
And all as we know, and I think Tim Dobson put it really well, and people should go out and check out uh, Tim Bob Dobson's launch mm. uh, from uh, ACT yep. um, Socialist, who's running for Labor uh, in the upcoming ACT election. Um, check out his Facebook post. Yes, the video is upside down, but I think one of the important things he talked about is is about party reform, and that if you don't reform, and if you don't stand, you can't stand still because you will lose. Yep. And that is why I, I think fundamentally we will lose and continue to lose like we have in New South Wales because it is run as a bizarre um, cabal, um, a continuation of a network of mates mm. and mates of mates who mm. um, have got no interest in democracy mm. and are really just, you know, um, turn their backs on the people that they claim to represent. Now, Tim talked about how Canberra, you know, is a kind of an example for what's on the horizon for other other cities in Australia, um, but that goes as well for our Labor Party branch yeah. in the ACT. It's yeah. the most democratic branch, and it, also we have the most per capita membership um, of any branch in the country, and that's exactly the model that other uh, state and territory branches need to be pursued. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. Maybe maybe Shanks could, should look into that, you mm. know, before frying um, frying rocks at the Greens. Yeah, uh, we're only, we're only three and a half hours away from uh, Eastern Sydney, mate. Well, Come well, down any time. Oh, well, that's right. But I, yeah, it always reminds me of the shocking stuff. We always like, you know, th- those hacks from Sydney come begging cap in hand to the, the activists and party members and rank and file trade unionists in, in Canberra to go over the border, the campaign for them and eat Monero. Like, mm. that, that is a joke. That is on them. You know, any seat we lose that surrounds the ACT is down on those Muppets in um, Sussex Street. Like, yeah. you know, because they've, they've, they've sold it. They um, sold it all down the river. Now, um, Shorten, there was this great, great quote, though. One of, one of the criticisms of, of, of Awu was, um, you know, how can you be in a union and attack Bill Shorten? Oh. I, I just, oh. like, again, not many intelligent people here, mate, but it's just like, it's kind of like, well, I mean, the simple thing is because organisations have a right to be critical of parties, politicians, whose actions they believe are not in the interest of their members. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. Um, even um, the, the short and fanboy stuff I've, I've found very strange. It's like I get it in the sense of like, yes, I'm disappointed too that we didn't have a short and led Labor government. I think would have been a positive thing for the country, for the class, right? Yep. Uh, it would have opened up some stuff. But this this sort of you know weird adulation of, of Shorten's really strange because, I mean, we I'm not, you know we don't need to dig it all up and all the rest of it. But Shorten when he was there at the AW, I mean, there's a period of time there like there's a lot of people on. You can go and look it up. There's a lot of criticism from AW members, other trade unionists, and all the rest of it about EBAs that didn't cut cut the mustard. Mm-hmm. Uh, about also about um, the AW, um, you know, rigging and doing dodgy things. You know, its membership returns. It was they were fined recently for having done that. Of the massive decline in membership, like there's all sorts mm-hmm. of problems there. Like part of that either happened under him and his his predecessors that people that followed him but let's not sugarcoat it you know he was no angel Mm. um whatever but that's very strange and the important principle is that being a a a unionist or um being being class conscious being uh, a member or you know participant in the labor party or the labor movement doesn't mean that you have to you know give up your your right your instinct to to criticize stuff like this when yeah. you see it um radical transparency and radical accountability are like cornerstones of, of how like how democratic socialism will and must function in this country when we get it it's actually 
Yeah, that's that's fundamentally true. And I, I think if you boil it down to it, it's like having a conversation with another human being, right? You're talking to a person. They might be saying some things you agree with and some things you don't, right? Now, the important thing is you want to get through that conversation with something positive is going to happen out of it, right? So it's absolutely fine to have be critical of, of points that they made, mm. right? But the important thing is the end where you can go off together, right? Now, I think fundamentally that's that's the most simplest way to describe what is um, critical support, which is uh, you know often used as a, a, a genuine democratic socialist sort of critique of, of how we operate in mass parties or as, as organisations. Critical support is fundamentally important mm. to actually trying to move things forward. Uh, if you don't get that, well, you're just screaming at people, you know, and it goes for whether or not you're a liberal or you know a, a someone in the scent whatever mm. like you know it's just mm. yeah go and get a brain like that's not how normal people talk yeah um but look the a the ac i think there's this other one i mean there's a i'm mean, sort of one of these quotes like you know if you're not affiliated with the actu you know fuck off oh, it's just like this is just yeah. just it's, i don't know it was really this weird. was very frustrating to it was really well. weird it's like well, did you guys even did you i mean did you i mean i know you went to uni but didn't you go to pulso 101 or whatever mm. like or have you ever you know, just thought about it for 10 minutes yeah or read a bit of history yeah or, like the, the yeah. AC I mean the AC2 is a representative body oh yeah, yeah like, it's a representative yeah. body yeah. Like, actually normally enough in yeah. terms of membership funnily enough they don't have members either oh would you wow I know they claim all these you know it's a bit like mm. Awu claims 10,000 plus members right yes. okay that's interesting okay. no they don't there's only 46 yeah well how many actual how members how many people work ACT? in the office of the ACT you are yeah. Yeah. probably about 50 maybe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a peak representative <laughs> yeah. body yeah. it's an advocacy organisation oh funny it's an advocacy organisation oh and actually it's called a union yes it's wow. called a union but it's not a union is it no no it's an advocacy one it just happens to have a whole bunch of, you know, um, semi-democratic, mm. uh, semi, you know, the oligarchy occasionally has some um, semi-democratic elected uh, union officials that, that, you know, get to handpick who sits on that ACT, you know, executive and decide mm. who's going to be the next anointed um, boss, you know, uh, to run their stuff. Um, that's, yeah, it's just really silly um, mm. uh, sort of things. Well, um, maybe we should talk about, like, um, yeah, the relationship... Uh, between the ACTU and, and the and the unions and whether is it is it a is it a legitimate claim uh, that in order to be taken seriously as a union I mean you're look you're a member of the retail and fast food workers union right yeah yeah um, so uh, the idea that a union because a union's not um, you know anointed by the, um, the ACTU, ACTU. Yeah, that yeah. therefore it's illegitimate to me is absurd and it also completely sidesteps the crucial question of union you know interconnect interconnectedness yep. which is really really important mm. um but the actu you know while it, yeah it and previous iterations of its of itself were set up to to coordinate strike action and to you know um make sure that strike action was you know always undertaken in the interest of working people in both striking industries and, and industries that would mm. be affected in their productive processes by striking um, actually, it doesn't really do that work anymore. It's no. more more of a lobbying body, right? Um, they hold press conferences. They um, they corner politicians in the halls of power, and they hold meetings and and forums and and blah 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 blah. Well, but yeah, like the ACTU does not really coordinate strike action. It's not really no. the role that it plays in the movement anymore. Yeah. Um, and so the point that I want to make um, is that what we've seen uh, from uh, unions like my union, the United Workers Union, mm-hmm. um, or at least um, 
back before the recent merger when uh, half of it was the National Union of Workers and also from the Electrical, electrical Trades Union is horizontal uh, organising between unions or horizontal recognition and cooperation. Both of those unions have actually recognised and endorsed the AUWU and I would say that's a much more meaningful um, you know, at event in the uh, unemployed workers unions um, life you know, history um, than any endorsement from the ACTU or affiliation to the ACTU would be um, at all. Um, yep. Because the people who are making decisions about um, you know, who unions like UWU affiliate to or um, what civil society organisations it endorses, those people are still somewhat removed, but much closer, much closer to actual working people in their lives yeah. and you know what uh, people who are making those decisions you know one or two levels up the chain when you get up to the level of the HGTU are you know what I mean that's right and that was like that was the look the quote showing the quote from Sally McManus uh, doing a Twitter little thing mm. on like yeah, they're, they're not a union they're not a union they're uh, not they're affiliated not, to the well, HGTU well, whatever well, it was they're yeah. not a trade union mm. is, is the point or in the US we'd call them a labour union mm. you well, know? they probably wouldn't call themselves uh, a trade union no that's fair no. like we talked about before there's the union is, is a, a, a word mm. for a bunch of people coming together mm. around the shared interest yeah um, with, with the the we staff and RAF like RAF is an interesting they've done amazing work but I think the, the, the registered this subservience to our industrial relations law mm. I actually find kind of troubling yeah. uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too right you can't on the one hand say our industrial relations laws are literally killing people people are forced to take in illegal industrial action like to take you know um, to protect people's work health and safety right uh, we've got bad laws and bad laws need to be broken. Now, this is the mantra of, you know, all the way up the top, Sally said yeah. stuff like this and, you know, the, our, um, you know, banging the cheek, uh, the, the chest mates and the CFs and the like. You can't do that and then by the same token sort of then turn around and say, well, if other organisations are actually mobilising people around securing, uh, you know, stolen wages, uh, actually going out there and advocating, oh, well, they're not, they're not registered they're, you yeah. know, they're not registered under the, uh, yeah. under the uh, as an industrial yeah. organisation we'll, we'll, we'll with the Fair yeah. Work Day. So, oh, okay, yeah. right. So yeah. as long as you're official with that, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like their boss's laws we're, we're talking about. Yeah. So I, I sort of see it as have a, a foot in each camp is, is the way I do it. I mean, I'm a member of the SDA, but I also am a member of RAFU and I'll, I'll support either as long as they're actually, um, there's something there that provides support for rank and file mm. uh, members of it. Um, both of which that provides you know either services or um, I think I'd take it as a yeah, well not just services or advocacy that I'm, I'm with but if I'm not happy with well, I'll let them know you mm. go and participate with them. Mm. And, and then you know obviously talk with your colleagues about joining uh, and that sort of stuff in that situation um, going you know flipping back and I guess this is flipping back to the whole Shanks um, Awu controversy um, and I think we did talk about there's this sort of you know punching down rubbish going on yeah um, and i think we've dealt with that but I, but I mean, when we get to it like like why should we care about like you know obviously couldn't give a rats about you know like uh, uh someone out there is is, is doing this sort of stuff who's decided is a, a poster boy for uh the liberals in the alp and the um and the new south greens because let's let's also say like that little diatribe about the motivation for it. it's also just backing up the conservatives and the uh, New South Wales Greens, and then they really are the Tories on bicycles, you know. Like um, the the reason why it's important, we need to call out um, 
those that are, are for a political practice that's fundamentally elitist and anti-democratic. We, we agree. We will, that's what, what we should be doing. Um, and those that would use the name of working people and the poor to line their own um, self-aggrandizement and continuation of, of inequality, well, you know, we've got to call that out. We've got to do that. Mm. Now, did Shanks do that? I don't, don't think he did. Uh, and I don't think he's actually interested in um, calling those things out mm. uh, and actually being part of actually offering a solution, which would be calling on people who are in Wawu or to join it and change it. No, 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 let's blow it up, you know, and let's just, just vote Labor. Um, yeah. And as a Labor Party, and you know, yeah. um, I, that's crazy mm. stuff. It's not, it's not good. It just shows that terrible, terrible politics. I don't know if I've also, just as a side note, I don't know if I've ever seen him, um, you know, uh, entice people to join the Labor Party. Well, he doesn't, doesn't seem he just, to have ever been something that he was interested in, in telling people to well, do. Well, it's New South Wales right, isn't yeah. it? They yeah. actually don't want you to join. They've got more of a history under the New South Wales right of shutting down yeah. sub-branches, yeah. you know, getting actually getting rid of community involvement. You know, it's nuts. Um, it is a shame, though, that uh, I think when there are so few voices in, um, in new media, let alone um, legacy media, um, that what... I mean, it is really sad that how bad things have gotten that... Shanks has been often put up, whether he likes it or not, has been actually put up as a left-wing voice, which mm. is kind of hilarious because he's not, mm. not at all. But this is, I think, well and truly put that to bed now. So, you know, well, you know, you know I'll, I'll tune in and whatever and every now and then there's something I find um, amusing. Um, it's going to get worse and worse because it's from a really limited uh, view of, of politics. It's not about self-emancipation involvement. It's about you just, you know, clicking like and donating some money yep. for those that are our bellied betters who seemingly know more than us because mm. everyone else is also stupid and we should just you know pile crap on mm. um, ordinary people out there because they they can't possibly be part of their own self-emancipation mm. you know that's that's the worry there so join join the labor party join mm-hmm. the greens if you're in new south wales i don't i don't really care yeah. we're agnostic about it join your union and become involved is yep. what we'd say on dole capital mm. and um let's you know let's just do politics seriously uh I, I think and not um you know try to blow it's 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 like something out of a schoolyard thing and maybe that's something mm. um well right yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's the twitter politics, terrier right, you know? yeah well. it's just continuation yeah. that goes on but it has implications mm. for how things go outside of that mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, um, like radical transparency, radical ap- accountability, and radical democracy is what we what we are talking about, especially in regards to uh, how how working class institutions um, or you know class collaborative institutions um, should be operating. That has to be the first demand um, every time, because once you achieve that, or once you set sort sort of set up a norm where that's observed. Uh, then we can actually get to work on, you know, pursuing our collective interests in union, you know, yep, um, or in unity. Yeah, yep. yeah, cool. uh, bang on. And I, I think that's pretty much where we're, we're going to finish this one. Yeah, cool. Yeah, hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, we hope to be, yeah, out and putting this out as soon as we can mm. and back with you as soon as we can. Uh, but do understand we're involved in the ACT election and doing some fun things and looking forward to seeing uh, ACT Labor uh, when government again mm-hmm. yeah um cool well uh thanks for listening um hope you enjoyed the show and uh we'll catch you again soon by one team dogs
Take the word that never knows. 